0: All right, welcome to Take Notes, a Utah Jazz podcast. You are here with Kemper and your boy Cruz. Say hi, Cruz. Hey, hey. Um, so you might know not know this, but uh, the NBA season started and the Utah Jazz are officially playing games. So we're kind of on cloud nine. I don't know how you feel about that, Cruz, but it's uh, it's a good thing.
1: I have been so happy to watch basketball again. And not just preseason basketball, meaningful I mean, basketball. I don't know. It
0: just, it, there's just such a difference. Oh, I love it. Um, just as kind of a disclaimer for the podcast, I woke up with a little bit of a sore throat and a little bit of a um, not being able to talk at all. And it's gotten significantly better, but it's still not perfect. So I apologize in advance for, uh, for it. Um, well, there you go. There was one right there. Any voice cracks or any um, <laughs> terrible sounds that come from me? I'm uh, sipping on my herbal tea and trying to get through. So, hopefully, it doesn't sound too bad. So, um, so we have we're officially two games in. We're two and zero. So, so figure eighty two and zero is. I'm just extrapolating out from the the data that I have. So we're pretty much going to win the every game. Um, but yeah, we're two games in. We played the Thunder, and then on Thursday, no Friday night, we played the Kings um, came away with W's on both. I feel like it was two very different games. Um, yeah. do you, do you want to kind of start off talking about the thunder game and then we can kind of work our way through? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think uh, so the thunder game I think was a good first game as far as first games go. You don't always want the first game to be super close, especially as a home opener, because it's like, all right, let's 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 get the experience of a hard game a couple of games in once our guys get up to speed. this first game, you know, I'd, I'd so much rather see exactly what we got, which was just the guys went out there and showed that they're veterans, they've got consistency, the core has been together for a while, and they dominated. Like, they should dominate a team like the Thunder, who lots of good young guys, but not as experienced as the Jazz right now. So um, they went out and did what I thought they would do and hope they would do. And I think we're going to spend more time on the Sacramento game than this game for that reason. Oh, yeah, for sure. But there's still some things I think that we can learn from this game. Like, for instance, Rudy Gobert put in work in the offseason. <laughs> yeah. That man is finishing through contact now and it's it's showing up in the box score. It's awesome to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he had a little bit of practice playing against Derek Favors. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think the one thing that you were kind of saying about how it was nice to start off with an easy one, um, I feel like in the past, especially last year and the year before, like just the past few years, um, it's been – we've definitely started off slower than you would expect. So beginning of the season, uh, coming off of all-star break, even – I think when there was the break between um, between the season and the postseason, I feel like just whenever there's an extended period of time, it feels like we should start off like ready to go. We've practiced. We're ready. Like we're just good to go. But I feel like for, for our people, for some reason, I think they, they thrive off the momentum that we have. So that's why in the middle of the season, we go on those like 12 game winning streaks. Like we, we play well, we're in our zone and we're, we're going through the season and um, we're just crushing it. I feel like that has not been the case when we have a long break. I feel like we just kind of come out flat. We come out, we, we haven't been playing in games that actually mean something. And so it was nice. I mean, it's still against the thunder, but I'm looking at it uh, through the first quarter. It was kind of, back and forth, we were pretty much leading the whole way. But it was kind of up and down. And then we pretty much stayed up 10 plus for the rest of the game after that. So I don't know, it gave us a little bit of a buffer to to have a nice rookie Thunder team to just kind of smash on for a bit. And I think that definitely got us ready and kind of got us in the, in the zone for this Kings game. Um, so what were your, what were your first impression? I, I think we're done with the thunder game. I mean, yeah, we beat a bad team. That's yeah. what we're supposed to do.
1: I think my only thought was just I had two thoughts really. The first one was just you know it was fun seeing Jared Butler get minutes at all. Um, he, he didn't make any of his shots in the first game, but he, he could tell he was pretty nervous, but i'm just I'm happy to see him get minutes, and I hope that continues is is all I really got from him in the thunder game, and then it was good to see Donovan not just I, he didn't just totally force everything when he was having an off night. Cause he wasn't shooting very well. He still forced some trying to get back into a rhythm, but I liked seeing him just commit more to the defensive end and try to influence the game in other ways when his shot wasn't falling. So that, that was something that I kind of liked to see from him in the thunder game. But aside from those two points, yeah, that's, I think we're, <laughs> I think we're done with that game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um-
0: it, it wasn't off night for a lot of our people. Yeah, especially three pointers. You had like Bogey was two for six, which isn't terrible. Clarkson two for six. Conley two for seven. Ingles four for seven, which was great. The shooting uh, was a little awful. three for awful. ten. Awful, just kind of below our average. I think as a team, below our average. It was twenty nine point eight percent total.
1: Yeah, just you yeah, know, really below below our. Average.
0: <laughs> <Blora>. <laughs> but yeah, but like I said, it's like it's it's an opportunity to get into our rhythm without having is kind of like an opportunity to have an off game and still get the win against an outmatched opponent. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. And then to the, the stress <laughs> that was the King's game. Um, I, I unintentionally spoiled this for Cruz. He watched it a little bit late, uh, but I texted him when we won, uh, just kind of letting him know that like, Holy crap. That was the worst experience. Um, <laughs> it was, I, I feel like from the beginning, we were like, what, five minutes in when, when Joe gets ejected for, do you want to talk about that call or do you want to just like not address it? What do you think? I'll,
1: I'll talk about it in the sense of just, I expect Joe to be a little bit smarter. I'm not saying it was a good call I do think it deserved it was a look, avoidable. but yeah, it was easily avoidable. I just expect Joe to not get in that situation in the first place. And, and normally in his career, he has avoided that, like on a fast break like that, when he knows the guy is like pretty much got a gimme dunk at that point, yeah. Joe has been very really good at not drawing a foul and making it worse. And so it was just kind of disappointing to only give Joe five minutes of play. He's obviously a really important part of this team. And when he plays well, we tend to play well around him. And he's a good rhythm setter for the bench. And he's a good bridge for the rotations. And it's just, it's hard to kind of put things together when he's suddenly taken out like that without, without us knowing he's going to be out, you know? Just yeah. an ejection that that fast in a game is hard to hard to adjust, hard to game plan for when it's a guy that's so integral to everything he's a he's a floor general so yeah. it's hard to see it go like that
0: yeah I, th- I think he brings a lot of consistency to um to the bench units i guess we, we kind of do a weird like there's never really like a true bench unit for us but um yeah. I, I feel like he brings a lot of consistency to those non-starter minutes and, and helps level out some of the other players that are a little bit more uh hit or miss um i i think that it's it's a strange thing with the jazzes mentality on fast breaks where we're very, we, we like to control the pace as much as possible. It's hard against a team like the Kings where they're very fast paced. They're very, um, turnover heavy. We're very turnover prone in my opinion, just because we like to pass the ball. We like to move it around and kind of our go-to is if they get a fast break, we want to foul them pretty much before they can even get within the three-point arc. So we don't we just want to avoid easy layups, we want to avoid easy dunks. I think he was just too late. He kind of maybe wanted to redeem himself and try to do something to kind of freak him out, maybe force like a a rookie to get in his head a little bit and miss. But I think without question, it was a dangerous play. I don't think it was malicious. No. I think that's kind of where it was. It was a weird between flagrant... It should have been a flagrant one, like no doubt. I think you kind of lost me when you go from a flagrant one to a flagrant two with the wordage being like... I think the difference between a flagrant one and flagrant two is flagrant one is unnecessary. And I think flagrant two is unnecessary and excessive like yeah. force or excessive contact. I, I wouldn't call what that was just kind of like a little kind of brushed him on the side. I, I wouldn't have called it excessive. I think that's my only issue with it. Fully, it was not a good play. It was not a good look for Joe, um, especially when I feel like he has that kind of trash talker. He mm-hmm. has that kind of, I feel like a lot of people are irritated by Joe. I feel like it's <laughs> not a good look for him. So that's kind of where I stand on it. But it is what it is. Um, we moved on. I think that the that that call kind of set a tone for how intimately the refs were going to be involved with this game. It <laughs> That's was one way to put it. Oh my good! Or I guess I won't even say involved. Just how much emphasis that uh, kind of their whistle had on the game, or lack thereof. There was a lot of chippiness. There was a lot of inadvertent contact with say maybe ruby rudy's chin uh, <laughs> i guess we can't just say rudy anymore because we have two rudy's um rudy gobert's chin um it was it was very frustrating to watch and it, it wasn't even one sided there were a lot of um i forget what it was exactly there which which play there were so many um but they called i think they no called something or maybe it was like jordan clarkson he was bodying up and playing great defense again oh yeah someone on the baseline and they stepped out and they called the foul that he had pushed him out which was totally bailed him out not (laughs) a good call in my opinion but i am watching from a screen miles away so what am i supposed to know um but yeah so there was it was like some call like that where it was pretty obvious that it wasn't a great call and then they ended up calling two super ticky tack fouls on the king's on subsequent plays right after it was just it felt like the the refs
1: were just way too involved on what was happening on the floor and it wasn't consistent either which in a super physical game like that you need consistent refereeing because it, being physical is great in a sporting event but when the ref is inconsistent it's like one guy is going to get away with way more physicality than another guy. And it creates unfair advantages both ways. And it makes the game really hard to watch sometimes.
0: Yeah. And so you, you have situations where like Davion Mitchell, who had an amazing, like he had a great defensive game. Like he was, he was all over the place, just locking people down. It, it was really fun to watch, but he's able to kind of have that leeway where, um, He's able to kind of body up Donovan. He's able to body up Jordan Clarkson, kind of get them out of their rhythm and have that physicality. But then on a play like with Jordan Clarkson, where I think it was Jordan against Davion Mitchell, and he's playing good physical defense that I would say is like equitable to what Davion Mitchell was doing on the other end. But you're calling fouls on the same thing. It's like the players are... I'm, I've never been a professional basketball player, but I would feel like you kind of get a feel for the refs that are refing the game. You get a feel for what they're going to allow and what they're not going to allow as the game's going. So if they're being told, hey, the other team is able to do this, this is where the line is. They're going to try to play to that line and use everything they can. So, yeah. That's kind of where sure we're it, it was just, it was a very. And I feel like if it wasn't as close of a game, we wouldn't care as much, but it was down to what, like three minutes left. We were tied 95, 95. So it was, it was close the whole way, um, up until the very
1: end. So that's the thing about close games is it, it almost feels like, and I think maybe it does, I don't know, but, uh, the refs, you know, we don't want to feel like the refs have any sort of control over the outcome of the game. We want the refs to be there to keep the game fair and within the rules of the game. And so when it's a blowout and there's a bad call, it's like, you know, it sucks that it was a bad call, but we don't feel like it influenced the outcome of the game. It's not going to have any bearing on the outcome. Yeah, it's so whatever, we can get over it faster. But when it's a close game like that, every single bad call gets a, a magnifying glass to it and the fans on both sides get more riled up, both teams get more riled up, and it just has this bad ripple effect that makes the game less enjoyable for everybody, makes it more stressful for everybody, and yet conspiracy theories and (laughs) all sorts of rabbit holes come from close games with bad calls. It's, It's something that just you want to avoid as much as possible, but Sometimes unavoidable. So what do you do when they happen? And I'm I'm glad that we were able to see some good things from our guys last or the other night, because man, they could have just rolled over. I, I know I've seen them do it in the past when a team was physical with them. And I I'm just happy to see them actually take the punches and throw some back. Yeah. I mean, not literal punches. But well, some, I mean. But I mean <laughs> But they were they started to be physical back, and they just they started to match the king's level of physicality and i I was very happy with that, yeah, so
0: uh kind of along those lines i I don't know if you've listened to any of the interviews afterwards, but uh in particular, Donovan had a quote where he was basically like they were asking him just about the physicality of the game. He was saying, "I don't think last year's team would have won this." There's a lot more just kind of mental fortitude, a lot more grit, a lot more just kind of let's do this. Let's just win this game. Let's not uh, argue about calls with the refs. Let's not throw our hands up and uh, take a playoff because we're irritated about this happening to us or not getting this call. Um, he was just talking about how how just pumped up and ready this team is to just let's go, let's get to the postseason. Let's do what we need to do. Let's win these games. Let's just go. So that was, that was really cool to hear from one of the players. I feel like we can kind of see that and we can kind of go deep into the bowels of Reddit and Twitter and talk about that as a team or as a fan base, but listening to the actual team talk about, they can feel that difference as well it is super cool to see. So it kind of gives a lot of, a lot of credence to what we're seeing. I think it also, as a Jazz fan, I feel like we have been eyewitness to kind of the inconsistency that we, that our team has played with. And so it's, ex- yeah. it's exciting stuff. I'm really excited for this year. Um, so do, do we want to talk about, I have stuff about offense and defense. What end do we want to start on?
1: Well, both were pretty talkative. Uh, they both have good points. Let's start on the offense cuz I think I think I'm more happy with our defense. Let's start with the offense. And okay. We can end on a happier note, I think. End on a happier note. Um, happier, they're both happy. I I'm, no. I'm happy with both, but happier
0: though. No. <laughs> True. Um so I I think the first thing that that comes to mind, I feel like let me look up what the assist number, like the final assist numbers were, but I feel like I wasn't super happy with our passing in this game. Um, Um, Only 16
1: assists. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 16. Um, And I think to a certain degree that can be attributed to the kind of the caliber of defense that this Kings team was bringing Um, can be attributed to, I think just kind of the, I feel like it feels like the pace was very quick to a certain degree, but like, I guess it was, it felt quick for the Kings, but I feel like we were really slowed down for, for large portions of the game where we kind of got into, I think I talked about this with, with the Clippers series last year, where it almost got to a point where we weren't starting that blender. It was a lot of gives one person the ball, see what they can do to try to ISO, get into the paint. And I know our blender starts with like just getting into the paint, but because of the defense, because of the physicality, it felt like we weren't actually doing anything with those, uh, drives. And so it felt very like pass the ball. This person's going to drive for a couple seconds. Nothing's happening. Pass the ball. Someone else, someone else try, see where we can get it started. So it felt like just very gummed up, very just not appealing it was not jazz basketball for for large portions of it um so it I don't know it just felt kind of ugly felt very grinded out which it was but that was kind of disheartening to see that a Kings team that I'm while I'm very high on them I feel like it's not an elite team that should be locking us up if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah no I, I see where you're at and I this is one of those kind of double edged swords for me. Cause was I disappointed in the movement with the offense? Yes. But was I happy that, that they found a different way to win and figured out how to win a grinded out game? Of course. And, and that's that's growth that I love seeing in our team and something that they can definitely take that. That's the kind of situation that transfers over to postseason success being able to figure out how to win in a grinded out game. Cause I mean, if you look at this, it's when was the last time we were able to win a game where we had more turnovers than assists? Like <laughs> hold on. How many turnovers do we have? 17.
0: Okay. That's actually, so I was actually going to bring that up. We had, I think 13 turnovers, it was like 13 or 14 turnovers in the first half. It's so only having 17 at the end of the game. That's pretty solid.
1: adjustments were made
0: it was it was a very rough first
1: half but yeah sorry continue with what you're saying Partial. well I think I mean context within the game I think a lot of those turnovers came in that stretch where Joe Ingles got ejected because the Kings went on a 15-0 run after he was ejected and and that's another thing where it's like okay I keep getting these bittersweet moments because it's you love to learn from a game this early in the season but it's so much more fun to learn from a game that you want and so yep. this is a little game that we can learn a lot about the team it's a lot easier to learn in the mindset of hey we figured it out and we still came out with the win so i mean more turnovers than assists but we made the adjustments we you know joe came out we got punched in the jaw 15-0 run by the kings we had lost whatever advantage we had and we were kind of honestly getting bullied for a solid quarter there. Like it, it. we had yeah, a like, second quarter. Yeah. The, for, for the end of the first quarter and then most of the second quarter, we were getting bullied. And you started to see guys begin to kind of hang their head a little bit, just a little bit. And that I think was a big defining moment. And I I, I wonder if there's – because I was trying to look back at the game and see if there was – like a defining moment. Like if there's one moment I could point to and be like, okay, what made them stop whatever little slide they were doing down depression mountain and lift their heads back up. And I, it wasn't really until the third quarter that I saw any like big, big moments. The second quarter did have a good ending where we were able to kind of catch back up and make sure that we weren't getting slaughtered at the half and make it made it more manageable but i don't know was there anything that you that kind of stood out to you where it was like all right i think our guys are going to try and fight for this win tonight and they're not just going to roll over um i i there's not really anything
0: i don't think anything really stands out to me either i think that yeah I, i don't really know I mean, I would, we've always <coughs> – oh, gosh, sorry. We've always been a, a much better second-half team. I feel like especially since Donovan's been on the team, I feel like he is very much a rhythm person. You know, like he, mm. he needs to get into himself. I feel like it was the same thing with the OKC game where he played much better in the second half. He's much – just much more put together. He has had a chance to kind of see what the defense is throwing at him. I think Quinn does a great job of, I'll say, making adjustments. And people are going to say, like, both the playoffs last year. And I, I agree. But I think that Quinn does a lot of planning. He does a lot of preparing for a team. But I feel like once you actually see them and you see what they're actually throwing at you, it's no longer like a theory of like what would probably come out against you. I feel like he does a good job of making those second half adjustments. So
1: I mean I would imagine these
0: I would imagine Joe is also in a situation like this, Joe is in the in the locker room. He's watching the game. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. He's watching them turn the ball over an insane amount. He's watching Davion Mitchell dig the ball out. Probably throwing Aussie 30. cuss words out every 30 seconds. I mean. Exactly, yeah. So I would imagine he also gives him a pretty good like kind of shot in the arm, like, hey, just because I'm not out there doesn't mean you can just like crap this game away. So I mean, I think that was that was main thing. I think another thing that was huge for us was we still stick to, to what we do. We still play like the team that we are, uh, meaning we shoot a ton of threes and we make a ton of threes. That's kind of our deal. And so I'm looking at the box score. Do you have the box score up, Cruz? Uh,
1: I'm looking at the shot charts, which is kind of telling me a little bit of a story about that. I just want to see (laughs) box score. So if you
0: take out, or let's, well, okay, so we have one, two, three, four, five. Oh gosh, I just keep jumping. Freaking NBA.com. Got one, two, three, Four, five, six. We have seven people on our team that shot a three in this game. Do you know how many shot forty percent or higher?
1: Um, all but two of those guys. Three of those guys. Oh,
0: you're right. First, so it's two. So we got two of those guys. Yeah. Um. So we have Bogey, Conley, Mitchell, Royce O'Neill, and Eric Paschal All shot. or higher. Most of them are, I guess three of those are 50% or higher. So the only issue we had was Jordan Clarkson was just chucking. He was ended up being two for 11 and then Joe shot zero for one. Didn't really have a chance to redeem himself. So, but yeah, so we ended up like a total of 38.1% from three 16 for 42. We got up 42 threes and we make them at a great clip. Like that's that's a recipe for success. Like I feel like our drives weren't working. We have the ability to, to run the ISO on the perimeter, especially with Donovan Mitchell. There were some insane threes from Donovan Mitchell. There was one where he was like diving to the left from the wing off of a screen from Rudy and gets nicked. And with these new rules, they didn't, they didn't call the foul, but he still just makes it anyways. Just like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, feel like anything is possible with this guy. It's amazing. So I, I think that gives me a lot of hope. Even when it feels like we were gummed up, we're still just chugging away, downing threes. And I think Mike Conley especially looked really good. Um, he, he seemed really ready to go, energized. Um, I heard that this is one, like the first off season in a while that he hasn't been having to deal with pains, hasn't had to be like taking painkillers. He's just been able to work on his game and
1: i, I think it's been showing so it's the yoga man i'm telling you <laughs> mike swears by it this year he did goat yoga he did, he did Honestly, the goat if you yoga.
0: haven't done goat yoga it's hilarious and also smells terrible but it's <laughs> it
1: pretty fun oh i'm sure so um, um, so i'm i'm looking at these shot charts and. There's kind of actually an interesting thing that happens here. And I think it, I think it just backs up your point a little bit more with just those to the second half team, Quinn making adjustments at halftime and reminding our guys what they're good at. And then it'll also lead us into the defense a little bit. So these shot charts kind of side by side. So the first and second quarter, we were outscored by the Kings. If you look at them though, we've got doesn't give me an exact percentage, but in the first quarter, so it looks like 30, 35% of our shots are these kind of weird mid-rangers that aren't even like they're not even like, oh, it's the it's Donovan's little elbow extended mid-ranger, or oh, it's you know, this free throw line mid-ranger. No, they're just like in weird spots. Like well, I don't know why we're shooting those. And then in the second quarter. Same thing. We got just some weird mid-rangey shots. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, and they're just kind of out in no man's land. Then, if you jump to the third quarter, though, suddenly it starts getting cleaned up, and we shot fifty percent in that quarter. Previous two quarters. So, just clarification: we field. shot
0: fifty percent.
1: Like that's our shooting percentage. We shot like shooting percentage overall, just okay gotcha. in general, um, all field goals for the third quarter, and. It's not just some like, oh, they started shooting better. It was also the shot selection. I mean, it, it almost looks like they came out of the halftime locker room and Quinn was like, hey, what do we do? We shoot in the paint and we shoot three-pointers. And the second they started doing that, shots started falling. And what do you know? We started to climb back on into this game. But it's kind of funny to watch. The Kings did the exact opposite. So our, our third quarter and fourth quarter shot charts are almost identical they're both just really pretty all in the paint or all on the arc first and second quarter. Yeah. Lots of paint and arc shots, but also just weird mid Rangers. Meanwhile, the Kings, I think part of the reason they were in this game for so long was just a weird amount of makes in the first half from the mid range. They, they shot terribly from three. I don't don't even know if they, did they make 30%. It was like 20, 20. Oh gosh. No, they made 22% of their three pointers. And if you're looking at these shot charts, it's because they're shooting weird, like, deep three-pointers that none of their guys should be taking. That's then, right there. <laughs> and then in the first two quarters, they have so many green little dots in random mid-range, like, shots all over the place inside. Then third quarter, that stopped happening. Fourth quarter, stopped happening. Mid-range abandoned them, and suddenly they couldn't keep up. Yeah, no, I, I feel like there were there were a couple of stretches where it felt like the
0: Kings could just put up anything and it just went, it in. went in. It went in, yeah. Oh, It was so, it's so infuriating when you're like, yes, that's the kind of shot we want them to take. It's a contested mid-range and then just like nothing but net. And you're like, are you freaking kidding? It's It's so infuriating. But there were, I think there were like two or three stretches where they had like three or four of those in a row. And I was like, are you, it's got to regress at some point. And I feel like that's that's what we do. We play the numbers, and it did so. Um, cool, yeah. So I think that's that's what we got with our offense. Um, let's let's talk about the defense really quick. So um, obviously, I, I think you can't really talk about this game without just effusing praise on Davion Mitchell, like the the tenacity and kind of the energy he brings to um, to the one on one matchup that he's a part of where he could go for stretches, where he was... You can you can tell he's affecting Donovan Mitchell. You could tell he's affecting Jordan Clarkson when that's his matchup. And you can tell that he just really can kind of put his, um, his stamp on the game with his defense. So he's... Um, it's amazing. Like, it was really cool to watch a, a rookie coming in with that much energy and that much effectiveness on the defensive end. Um, and I feel like it really... Kind of pushed the rest of the team to to bring that same kind of energy and play up to what he's doing. Obviously, not everybody is going to be as good a um, one-on-one defender, but I, I think that's a big reason that they were in the the game for so long was the the energy he was able to help bring. Um, but and I don't want to jinx this, but. Our boys might have practiced defense over the summer. Like, I think you might be right. (laughs) It was, it was cool. I mean, I I feel like the big thing that I'm seeing is last year. I don't know the exact number and I'm sure I could pull it up, but I don't know how long it's going to take. So I'm just going to take a guess right now, but we were definitely in the, probably the bottom five of the league and forcing turnovers last year. Oh, Cruz just texted me.
1: I'm shooting you these shot shot charts just so that you can see how dramatic it was because it it was dramatic. Oh, that's so clean. All right, sorry. Um,
0: (laughs) Cool. But uh, yeah, so we were were very low in the league in forcing turnovers. And I think to a certain degree, that was by design. It was a very um, conservative defense that we're allowed to play because we have our drop big with Rudy in the middle. And he's able to kind of fix a lot of those errors And so it's very much like just stay in front of your guy. Don't worry about like jumping passing lanes. Just stay in front of your guy, kind of guide him to Rudy and then let Rudy um, just crush their dreams. Um, But I feel like, and I I don't know specifically with the Kings game. I feel like it was a little bit in the Thunder game, but it was more so in the Kings game. And I don't know if it's because they're such a fast paced team, such a young team that we were able to jump passing lanes a lot more often, but I feel like we were just constantly just looking for those open passing lanes that we could just put a hand in kind of jump out for a second to, to kind of see what we can do. And we got a lot of steals. I, let's see. Box score steals 14. Okay, just this is fantastic. Bogey had one steal. Conley had three steals. Gobert had two steals. Mitchell had two steals. Royce had four steals. Clarkson <laughs> had two steals. So we had fourteen total steals. Um, and I feel like so there's turnovers and there's steals. I feel like people kind of intermix those more than they should. A turnover is basically any time we or they have the ball. And then we get the ball. So if they step out of bounds, um, it's a turnover and we get the ball, but
1: it's a sideline out of bounds. so Shot clock violation, any of those generic clock. ones. Yeah. So,
0: but I think the, the key thing, difference between steals and turnovers, is a turnover um, can include those plays where um, they still have the opportunity to set up their defense and um, kind of just be ready for the play. Whereas a steal is – we get the ball and it's immediately fast break situation. We do really well in those situations. Um, and overall steals just like just fast breaks for us
1: yeah.
0: are very like high efficiency plays. So seeing that we have such good steel numbers, so that was the King's game. I can look up, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but just, just seeing that we're looking to, or it seems like we're looking to, um, Kind of push those steals, push those passing lanes, and get out and get running. I think is going to be very exciting if that's how we're going to be playing. Uh, steals for the other one it says zero. That's not right. So oh, we only had six in the other one, but two from Mitchell, two from Conley, one from Bobby, one from Hassan Whiteside. So um, not quite as crazy. I think, like I said, the the way the Kings play probably contributed to it, but. Um, just seeing that our guys are adding that to their repertoire and adding that to kind of their style of play, I think it it makes for fun watching and it makes for good basketball for us. So,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> 14 steals and we had 14 fast break points. I don't think that's a coincidence. You what know, I, math real quick. I think that's roughly one point per steal. Per steal. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, they had 15 turnovers total. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, steals count as turnovers in that counting stat category. Yeah, for sure. Which means that of their 15 turnovers, 14 of those were direct just stolen out of their hands or passing late
0: Yeah, steals. Actually, it's pretty, pretty cool that they were pretty... Uh, I mean, they had 14 turnovers that were steals, but like... They kept the ball going pretty well. I don't know. I feel like usually there's a lot of just like dumb mistakes, especially for young teams where they just like throw it out of bounds. So,
1: yeah, yeah, you kind of almost expect more of those. But I mean, to be fair, there should have at least been one more. You know, when Jordan Clarkson was playing defense and the guys stepped out of bounds. <laughs> but besides that, though, I yeah, I I've been super happy with the guys on the perimeter defense. Just making Rudy's life a little bit easier he has to band-aid so much stuff for us and you know when he's not focused on putting out fires all the time uh apparently he averages 16.5 points a game yeah uh, who, who'd, who'd have thunk <laughs> and 20 rebounds 20 rebounds yeah um, uh, which yeah. is crazy <laughs>
0: honestly yeah I, I think another kind of so, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that later, but I'll, we'll finish with the, the defense. I think, especially like specifically um, Donovan and Jordan, I feel like there's been like a, a marked improvement. Um, I feel like Conley's always been a pretty solid one on one defender. Royce is obviously Royce. Um, but just seeing those guys that I feel like a lot of people, when you think of Donovan or you think of Clarkson, you think they're chuckers that like they're there for offense, but they're not really defensive stoppers. I think just having um, a little bit more in their bag, a little bit more um, kind of versatility on the defensive end
1: is going to be great for us. Um, I was just excited to see closeouts. Uh, the guys didn't let them just shoot wide open threes. They closed out and
0: yeah.
1: the the advanced stats support that, you know, these, these guys were out here. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, he had to defend six three-point attempts and, he only let one go in that that shows me that he's closing out you know he's not just like watching them shoot over his head yeah and that's that's a little bit different from from last year where i think sometimes if don was guarding a guy and he kind of lost him for a second
0: he, he wouldn't always close like, out like he'd kind of like admit defeat
1: yeah he's like uh eh, they're gonna shoot it maybe he makes it maybe he doesn't and yeah. he would just turn around and get ready for the rebound. Yeah. But, it's it makes a difference putting your hand in a guy's face when he's trying to shoot. It really does, and when we're all committed to that, the other team shoots, you know, twenty two percent from the three point line, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. So another thing that was frustrating to watch, uh,
0: in my opinion, was it felt like in that first half, especially, it was they were just constant. Like the the Kings were constantly getting offensive boards. Um, Rudy can only do so much, like. If it's a long rebound, Rudy's not necessarily... Actually, most of the time he gets it anyways, but... um, He had 20 20 rebounds, so I mean... (laughs) um, But it felt like there was less of a team rebounding um, effort, I guess, would be the best word. Um, So that first half was... It it was constant, it felt like. Um, I can pull up the numbers. Maybe if I just kept him up the whole time, that'd be beneficial um so offensive rebounds for the kings so they had 16 offensive rebounds i don't have it broken out by halves but it felt like in that second half the jazz made a concerted effort to really crash that defensive board um i feel like it's so kind of (laughs) leading when the the other team like you play good defense like we had a solid defensive possession but then it all just goes to crap because they just get the rebound and get an easy bucket or um Harrison Barnes comes in with his five offensive rebounds and just puts in an easy layup or put back dunk or something like that it's it's deflating and I feel like it's just you put in all this effort and then it's just all for nothing um and I think that they they really made I think especially Bogey he was someone that I think made a a marked improvement from the first half to the second half on just his effort on the boards and making sure that when we play that defense, we actually just get the possession
1: back and we can go play some offense. So you want to want to hear something really weird. I love hearing weird things. Okay. So if you do split them up by halves, you have evidence that supports you and then also a weird result. So if you, if you split it by half, so the Kings had um, 16 total offensive rebounds. In the first half, they only had five. 11 of their offensive rebounds happened in the second half, but if you look at our, our guys' defensive rebounds, Rudy had nine of our um, rebounds in the first half. Uh, Mike Conley had two. Hassan Whiteside had three. Everyone else has, like, one if they have one. Yeah. Jordan Clarkson has, has two. Like, There's not very many rebounds going on there. In the second half, however, though, all of a sudden, Boyan has four, and Royce has three, and Donovan has four. Like Suddenly, other guys started getting rebounds. So It's weird to me that, yes, the guys definitely started group rebounding more in the second half, but then the Kings got most of their offensive rebounds in the second half. I I think you can attribute that, though, to just like – I don't know about you, but I saw a lot of – desperation three-pointers that just bounced right back to the Kings players in yeah. I, kind of I, in the second half
0: yeah I think kind of along the same lines I think it's also also just more missed shots in the second yeah half. yeah so there's just more to go around um, I feel like they were also we got a couple calls like this where I think the one where Rashawn Holmes fouled out was where he was like undercutting Rudy on a rebound where Like they're just, they're really putting forth an effort. Like they see he got like nine defensive rebounds. Plus I think a couple offensive in the first half. So they're really making an effort to minimize his, uh, Rudy's Rudy Gobert's impact on the glass. So kind of putting more effort towards preventing Rudy from getting the rebound while also just work. It did not. (laughs) No, to say the least. Um, Rudy's such a man. What a guy. Um, oh, yeah. So, I don't know. I think overall, it's just, it's exciting to see that we're, we're able to kind of play this physical um, brand of basketball. Obviously, it's going to be cool to see um, a team like the Lakers, that they have a bunch of just big guys, a bunch of people that can bring that physicality. Um, but a little bit more, more talent. A little bit more. I don't. I don't know. Competition. So I feel like we're going to be in a couple of these games throughout the season, and I think having one like this to start off to really show that we can
1: play hard is just it's good to see. Can we take two minutes to talk about Hassan Whiteside and the fact that I've been happy with his vet min minutes?
0: Yeah, I mean, I will. I'm not trying to pour cold water on you, but I would have been happy with Derek Favors' minutes if he was on a vet men. True, and I would True. Be probably less happy with on Whiteside's minutes if he was getting 10
1: million. Fair enough, but yeah. you know, I, I, I see, see your, your point. point. <laughs> but um, you know, I just think that that signing got so much flack when it happened, and I'm I'm just glad that. It looks like he's buying into the, to the system. It looks like he's buying into the contract year. He's buying into being a part of the Jazz. And it seems like he likes Quinn Snyder and he likes the guys. And, you know, he played 15 minutes last night yeah. and he was a plus 18. To get To get a plus 18 out of your backup center is amazing for the Jazz when our bench is usually the reason we lose games. So if, if, you know, if Rudy can walk off the court and we can send in another center and not have this dramatic, I mean, there's a drop-off, there's obviously a drop-off in talent. Anyone watching the game can see it, but it's not as dramatic. And that, that goes a long way, especially when it's like, okay, so Hassan played 15 minutes, Rudy played 30 minutes and counting stats wise, Hassan just looks like a mini, a mini Gobert almost. It's super weird, but a lot of his stats—not all of them, but a lot of his stats—are just kind of like roughly fifty percent of what Rudy does. <laughs> yeah. Except for the free throws. Yeah. Because apparently Rudy Gobert just hits all of his free throws now. Nine for nine for ten. Nine <laughs> for ten. I will take nine for ten free throws from Rudy over twenty rebounds. And, and hey, if they're if they're gonna play hack a shack with Rudy, just hack a Rudy. If they're gonna do that, and Rudy wants to, you know. Sometimes finish strong and other times not. I'll take it if he's gonna make his free throws because you know, everyone's talking about like, oh, he can't punish them when they go small. It's like, want to know one way to punish them when they go small? Run at the rim, get fouled, and make your free throws over and over and over again. And he's been doing that, which is gonna be awesome if he can keep it up. I hope he can, we'll see, but it'll be awesome if he could. They had the, I think it was the Kings game, it was like the one,
0: um pick and roll dish from Joe before he
1: got ejected. Or mm. it was like the little statue of liberty. Oh, that was beautiful. That was great. You should do that more often. People can't get that high. No. <laughs> Running full uh, speed. That's what Giannis does on on his fast break points. The nuggets might be able to get that high, just because Colorado,
0: you know. Well Mile that's, High City and all that. But Mile High City plus a weed joke. That's a two in one for you. <laughs> 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 um but, yeah, how long have we been going? What time is it? I don't know.
1: Probably for too long.
0: My bedtime. Um. Yeah, so overall, I'll, I'll, I will I'll guess I'll talk about Hassan a little bit. So I think that um, there's a little bit of kind of what people said where – um it Takes plays off. blocks are – yeah, there was that one play that – I mean, it's been one play out of two games that it was just kind of like – and I don't know if it was necessarily him. I
1: think it was just kind of a whole team, just kind of they miscommunication. weren't fully there. Yeah, um, or I think was, uh, he's still like learning too with the team. Exactly. Yeah, and where he's supposed to be, but yeah.
0: Um, and then you have a couple things where it's like he got a couple blocks. Blocks are cool. Stops are better. Yeah. So it was like he blocked it, and then they just got the rebound, and he was out of place after the block. Which I full disclosure, never been an NBA center. <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to look like, but I feel like when you just see it as a as a viewer, it looks like, oh, well, you blocked it, and then you're just not in the right spot anymore. Is that your fault? I don't know. He needs um, to
1: ask Rudy, because I feel like Rudy gets a lot of those where when Rudy blocks the ball, he also ends up with the ball.
0: I feel like I feel like he still somehow stays in place and – or ends up with the ball. Yeah, stays in yeah. place,
1: ends up with the ball, seems to still be where he needs to be. Or if he swats it, it goes out of bounds. So they have to reset anyways. Hey, <laughs> um,
0: I honestly, if we could just swat it out of bounds every time, I feel like it is so hard. Like I play NBA 2K when you do block it and then they just get the ball back and they just lay it up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Sucks. Can't it sucks. Can I just worthless. like, why'd I even jump volleyball spike this every time? Um, but yeah, so I, I think overall I have been impressed. We talked when he was signed, like, Honestly, anything, if he can approximate what Derek Favors was giving us while being on a vet men, then that's a good signing for us. And I feel like he's done more than I expected. He's been um, less of a goob than I expected. <laughs> like he's still like a quirky guy, but like he's playing good basketball. So that's all mm-hmm. I can ask for. So cool. Um, we got, let's see. So we got the Nuggets coming up on Tuesday. We got the – we got someone on Thursday. So, uh, I don't know if anybody at home cares or knows, but I'm in Utah in Provo. Cruz is deep in enemy territory in uh, Arizona. <laughs> uh, but he's coming up, and we're going to actually watch a game together on Tuesday – on Thursday? Thursday, right? There, yeah, Thursday. That's the, the – one that I was less excited about. Oh, that's, that's the Rockets. The Rockets. Yeah. So a little less excited about that but it's Bulls still jazz Saturday? Saturday no Bulls is Sunday uh Saturday is no Bulls is Saturday Bucks Sunday Bucks
1: oh that's right it's back to back
0: ah, I got gotcha. you okay so it should be a good week um I feel like we'll probably do another podcast sometime next weekend we might do an in-person podcast on Thursday together who knows <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a we'll do a um a take notes fan meet and greet at my place because I feel like all the fans either live with me or are related to me somehow. But
1: uh, <laughs> I'm willing to sign autographs. Yeah. So um, cool. only for an hour, but I'm willing. Yeah. Well, the line's gonna be crazy. Just get there early. Hey, we uh, might even do like a right after the game reaction. You'll get unfiltered thoughts on Thursday, possibly. Who knows? My wife
0: might be awake and you might hear her in the background. So that'd be cool. It's there's all sorts of possibilities, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. Well, we have our Facebook page, Take Notes Utah Jazz Podcast. We have um, an email you can send stuff to take notes utah jazz at gmail.com. Um
1: we got Cruz's phone number, uh 385. 385- I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. No, if you if you look hard uh, enough at our pages, I I hit it in there. Yeah, so uh,
0: feel free to follow like whatever people do with podcasts leave a review i don't know if that's a thing on spotify but i don't know if you, i don't think you can actually i don't think you can do that on spotify we'll look it up but you can always just message us personally on our email and tell us how wrong we are about things or how little you actually care about this podcast but um
1: you ooh. cannot leave a review on spotify classic
0: cool all right well, we're <laughs> gonna go now we'll uh We'll be back sometime soon. Bye-bye. All
1: right.